what this election has done to divide people and create gaps in trusting one another. The, the, the hatred. The, the hatred and the vitriol and the lack of ability to connect if just, God forbid, we have some different views on politics yeah. or different choices of who we're going to pick on the vote. The lack of empathy, the lack of compassion, the lack of understanding. No matter what happens with today's election, I'm going to ask that we do what is necessary to try to remember what we all have in common, more so than what divides us. This is a special edition of Financial Sobriety created for the sole purpose of addressing the critical and significant nature of today's election. Welcome to Your Financial Sobriety, a podcast that challenges conventional beliefs about money and life. We're here to talk about the only three relationships in life that really matter our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with other people, and our relationship with money. And they are all tied very closely to one another. If you've ever struggled with any of these relationships at any point in your life, then you're in the right place. I'm Matthew Grishman, co-owner of Gebhardt Group. We're a private wealth management firm headquartered just outside San Francisco, California. I'm joined by my business partner and BFF, Jim Gebhardt, who got this party started when he opened the doors of our firm in 2005. Jim and I created Your Financial Sobriety because we want to help a lot of people. We're on a mission to become the most disruptive money influencers of our time. If after listening today, you're able to take one step closer to keeping your money more aligned with the people, places, and experiences that mean the most to you, then Jim and I just got one step closer to accomplishing our mission. Mr. Grishman, welcome into the Financial Sobriety Cafe this evening. We are now back into a dine-in basis, and it's lovely to have you here again. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here. I'm so excited to be having a meal out inside a restaurant. Let me tell you a little bit about our specials this evening. Oh. First of all, we have an appetizer special, and that is China Tension. Ooh, sounds delicious. Not something we have on the menu very often, but it comes back. There's a lovely red sauce. It's served on a bed of imported taxes and tariffs. Oh, nice. Would you suggest a certain kind of wine that I should pair with that? Should I do a Zinfandel or a Pinot? I would probably recommend a Diet Coke for you. Oh, <laughs> that's right. I forgot. Uh, that this evening is 1888. Oh. Special pricing on that particular appetizer. Sounds like a bargain for me. Our entree special tonight is uh, COVID a la 19. Now, this is a dish that can be served either hot or cold. It's been popular in different parts of the restaurant this evening. Yeah, I'm seeing a guy over there who seems to be just finishing it, and he seems to be sweating a little bit, and he's got the sniffles. But wait, there's another person eating it over there, and they seem to be, like, really hacking and wheezing. And I, what? I just heard him say he can't taste anything now. But wait, there's that young kid over there who seems to have just eaten it, and he doesn't seem to have any symptoms from eating this. He just got up and walked out like nothing happened. It's been spreading kind of like wildfire through the restaurant this evening. And it's, without a doubt, our most controversial item on the menu. So you're telling me I have to have it? I think at some point you have to have it. Well, maybe if I have enough of it, I won't get it again. It'd be nice to be full from it, but I would, before uh, we get too lost here, I'd like to tell you about our dessert special oh, this evening. okay. Thank you. The dessert special is, it's what we call the election. Now, there's two choices here, both of which are kind of bittersweet, our customers have told us. The first is an orange sherbet surprise. Oh, why is it a, a surprise? Well, because you never know what you're going to get. You'll see. 
it's better to have you experience it than to explain it. Should I just go on Twitter and see what some of the previous diners have said about it? Because I've heard the orange sherbet can surprise me with some of the Twitter responses that I might see the day after. Yes, that's highly likely and highly uh, predictable in in that sense. Mm. But it's just it's an incredibly bittersweet choice that you have to make because the other option on the dessert menu this evening is bread pudding. Oh. And that, too, has been pretty popular. Well, how is the bread pudding prepared? What's in it? We really don't know, actually. We've tried it, but we don't really we don't know what's in it. It changes. I mean, at one point, you might think it's like traditional bread pudding, and then all of a sudden, it's a very different kind of bread pudding. Oh, come on, man. That sounds like a bunch of malarkey to me. There's probably some malarkey in it. What are we really talking about today? Come on, we had to have a little bit of fun. This is election day. <laughs> so this is our election special. This is our election our special. Our election COVID China special. Well, in our world as financial advisors, the three themes that have brought a lot of fear to clients this year have been China, COVID, and the election. At times, we've had the trifecta. We've had all three kind of rearing their ugly head in the markets. And prior to Election Day, we've seen a little spat and volatility again. But here it is, Election Day. This is one of the most important days in American history because you get to vote for the leader of the free world. And probably one of our biggest responsibilities as a citizen in the United States is to exercise that right, that obligation to go out and vote. So our having a little fun, having a little bit of laugh is just ability to be able to try to cut through some of the tension. Because in the le- in the weeks leading up to this, you and I have had dozens and dozens and dozens of Zoom calls with clients, phone calls with clients. And I can't tell you in the 25, almost 25 years I've been doing this, how many people are concerned about the outcome of this election. Mm. I get it. It's controversial whether you're leaning left or leaning right. But the market will go on. Life and will go on. Life will go on. And... You know, there's all kinds of talk that says that there's no clear-cut winner right off the bat. You and I in different episodes of this podcast have talked about blind spot theory, which is generally when everybody, the herd mentality is all going in one direction. I don't fundamentally believe, and I think statistically it's been proven, that that's not generally what happens. What you're saying is all the predictions that we're all privy to, depending on which cable news network we happen to watch, thankfully I don't watch any of them, But if we were to subscribe to a cable news channel... They'd have you believing this. Right. Or that. And Generally, neither of those happen. Right. So this is dropping on the morning of Election Day, so it's going to be 12 to 24 hours before there's even an inkling of an idea of what's going to transpire today. Hopefully it's 12 to 24 hours and not 12 to 24 days, weeks, or months. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, one other other thing. Thank you. Thank you very much. So Don't forget to tip your waiter. Yeah, well, based on the specials, I'm probably leaving. <laughs> Let's talk about the markets for a second, because if you remember back to 2016, I stayed up so late. I stayed up till 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, partly because it was just so gripping to see what the hell had happened. And I was watching my phone, and I was watching the futures markets, and the futures markets were down about 800 points on the Dow at maybe 11 or 12 o'clock at night. Was that just because of the uncertainty of the outcome, you think? That it looked like Hillary was doing well. Oh. But then as the night went on and things shifted and it looked like Trump was winning, by like 5 a.m. the next morning, I remember sending a, a text to everybody on the team that we got to get in super early tomorrow. This market's going to be a mess. And 
the market opened dramatically higher as a result of Trump winning. All of that is just, it's all data, right? And there's so much fear around this election that what I wanted to do for a couple of minutes is talk about what do the markets want? Well, the markets want stability. They want the predictability. The markets want stability and predictability. Right. And we did a video for our wealth management clients a few weeks ago towards the end of summer where we talked about the fact that my family has spent more time around the campfire in our backyard doing s'mores this year than all the other years combined. And my kids went out there one night to go put it together, and I was busy doing something, probably cleaning up the kitchen with Beth. And they're like, Dad, we don't know how to do it. Shame on me. I haven't taught you how to properly build a campfire. So I get into dad lecture mode on rekindling all of my Boy Scout spirits, and I'm explaining to them that the number one thing that the campfire needs is oxygen. So you have to build it in such a way where oxygen can get in and can keep this thing burning and burning for a very long period of time. The stock market, and the analogy that we were making in that video to clients, is the stock market's very much the same way. Yeah, it needs its oxygen. It needs its oxygen. You may be wondering, in, an, in a year that's been as challenging as 2020 from an economic perspective, certainly all the health stuff on top of it, but you know, 24% of all small businesses in the United States are gone. Bankruptcies are at a higher rate than 2020 yeah. than in 2008. So there is extraordinary economic devastation out there. Yeah, all the things that you and I were ever taught that drives the stock market, job growth, wage growth. Earnings growth, right? which earnings growth for those of us who don't fully understand that simply means lots of people spending money at their favorite companies and those companies managing those revenues really well to grow the amount of money they're making. All of that kind of economic stuff that normally provides the oxygen that the stock market's needed hasn't been in existence for a very long time, it feels like. Yeah, I mean, earnings are back to 2020 earnings are now back to 2017 levels. Wow. If you look at some of the data, there's just not a lot of good information. It would kind of like be around the campfire, and we're trying to do s'mores, and it's a drizzle, or it's raining. Well, one of the other bits of oxygen we've always talked about was earnings had been okay, but we haven't seen for years now things like job growth and wage growth, and that what the oxygen was that was being breathed into the stock market year over year were these things called stock buybacks. Yes. Where companies were going out, borrowing money super duper cheap. Yes. And then using the money they were borrowing to go out and buy their own shares, in effect, Economics 101, shrinking the supply of their shares, which artificially created a demand that really wasn't there. It just drove prices higher. Well, that stopped in this whole COVID crazy that's going on. And here's where the oxygen came in. It's called stimulus. $3 trillion worth of oxygen got dumped on the campfire. There is more stimulus coming. So what has kept the market doing so well is truckloads and truckloads and truckloads of oxygen in the way of economic stimulus. So is it fair to say then that this upcoming election that's happening today is really just a speed bump? along the road to more oxygen? I think it's highly likely as politicized as the next level of stimulus or the next wave of stimulus has been. It's been highly politicized. It's, it's there, though. It's inevitable. You have small business America being absolutely decimated. You have unemployment levels that are at such, such high levels 
that the politicians have got to get out of their own way and do the right thing and provide more stimulus. That, along with the lowest interest rates we've ever seen. We're seeing behavior from the Fed that is completely unprecedented. I mean, besides the low interest rates that are being kept down artificially, they've been doing things I know in our career we've never seen, things like buying stock. Not only are they pumping a bunch of money and all of this fiscal stimulus is out there, but from a monetary standpoint, you've got the Fed printing money in ways they've never printed money before, to the tune of actually violating their charter by purchasing things like corporate bonds that they're not supposed to be buying, but yet here they are doing that today. Those are all things that are unsettling in the sense that they, you know, in, o- in 08, they stuck with their charter and they didn't do things like that. But in, in here in 2020, they're going off script and doing things with the proper intent, but going away from the charter in which they were formulated. So it begs the question in my mind of what other ways can they go off script? Go check out the U.S. Debt Clock. USDebtClock.org. And that is one freakish webpage because it's got, I don't know, 100 different numbers and calculators running on different things related to the debt clock. But kind of in the middle, Mm -hmm. on the left-hand side, a little bit towards the bottom, you're going to find what's called M2 Money Supply. And M2 Money Supply is just the sheer number of dollars in existence. And it looks at 2000 versus 2020. 20 years later. And the numbers roughly, don't hang me by this, but roughly $4 trillion in M2 Money Supply in, 20, in 2000 and $18 trillion today. So you're telling me the money supply, just the amount of dollars in circulation, has gone up more than fourfold in the last 20 years. Exactly. That's another way of being able to show the oxygen that has been pumped in for 20 years, and then we just did it again, right? We just loaded up some more. So is it safe to say that you and I have always prided ourselves within our wealth management practice of never making decisions based on predictions and theories, that we make investment decisions with our clients based on what's unfolding in real time, based on the facts as we know them? especially as it relates to these shifts in supply and demand. But here we are talking a little bit about some predictions and some things that are going on and what might happen in the future. Is it somewhat predictable to say that the powers that be, from both a fiscal and a monetary standpoint, are doing absolutely whatever they need to do to keep the oxygen into this campfire right now? In my opinion, absolutely. It's at a point in my mind that they have to. And sure, I talk with clients and friends that are like, well, aren't we just kicking the can and building a debt pile that we just, we can't manage and the kids are going to have to deal with it someday? Yeah. Yes. But what lies in the balance is the U.S. economy. Yeah. And the stimulus, the low interest rates, the Fed going off script, they're not ideal. They're far from ideal circumstances. But this pandemic is also unlike anything any of us that are alive have ever experienced. And when the unthinkable happens, sometimes you have to take extraordinary measure. And that's exactly what's going on. And I think who's ever elected today, when I pray for them tonight, when I go to bed, that's what I hope they continue to do. Absolutely. I just, I want to spend a couple minutes before we wrap up the episode in the vein of the election and what's been going on is just shift this a little bit to back to this conversation you and I have had about what true wealth is really all about. And that the largest component of the wealth I know I feel in my life, 
you've told me you feel in your life is based on our ability to connect with people. What this election has done to divide people and create gaps in trusting one another. The, been, the hatred. The, the, the hatred and the vitriol and the lack of ability to connect if just, God forbid, we have some different views on politics yeah. or different choices of who we're going to pick on the vote. The lack of empathy, the lack of compassion, the lack of understanding. No matter what happens with today's election, I'm going to ask that we do what is necessary to try to remember what we all have in common more so than what divides us. Hallelujah. Because I believe the big goal of the media is to get our eyeballs on the media, and it's to divide us and conquer us. The more time we can spend dividing people and getting their eyeballs on the television sets or on the little 6.1-inch screens in front of us, the less time people are actually connecting with one another. What I find amazing about this political environment, you know, you and I always pride ourselves on being Switzerland. When clients come into the office, nobody's ever going to walk away knowing exactly where our politics or beliefs lie because that's not what's really important to the conversation that we're trying to have with clients. We're right. there to help them be of service to them. What my opinions are on political issues really don't play any, any role in that. So we do a really good job of that. Now, I have political opinions. What I've really tried to do this year for me because of how much I covet human connection all of the bad behavior, the bad spending, the drinking, the, the nonsense in my life, now that I've gotten rid of all that, I've had to fill myself up with something else, and that's been human connection. One of the things I've put a lot of intention on this year in 2020 is being able to sit with somebody who has very different political beliefs, and they're voting very differently than I am in this election. And what I'm trying really hard to do is first try to understand where that person comes from, put myself in the shoes that they wear, understand what their life was like as a child, where they grew up, what they were taught, and just try to see where their point of view comes from and try to understand it. So slow the roll. Slow the roll. I don't have to believe what they believe, but I'm just trying to have some empathy for why they believe what they believe. Because if there's one thing I'm absolutely convinced of is that if you believe differently than I do, you are as devout in your belief as I am in mine. And there's likely no changing that. So I choose to spend my time, rather than trying to convert people to the way I believe, I try to understand the foundation for their beliefs. Because here's what I've learned most in that exercise. If I were to line up every major problem we see in our world today, from pollution to homelessness to this COVID crazy. And I mean, I could get really controversial here and go down the row of things like immigration. I mean, all these, all these hot topics in the news. What's amazing is when we look at them as problems, I find that most people agree that these are problems. The number of people we have in prison is a problem. Pollution. And opioid addiction. Opioid addiction is problem. a problem. Climate change is a problem. Immigration is a problem. And what would happen if we actually just spent a few minutes trying to celebrate that we are in alignment with this problem, that we actually see it together? Could there be some more trust in the room if that begins to happen? That'd be nice. Everything on TV, everything on our smartphones is all about the divisiveness over solutions on how to solve these problems. We don't see anybody spending any time 
actually celebrating where we have alignment as people. And there's nothing more connective than when you can celebrate something you have alignment with, with other people. I was so, so excited when we had that Hollywood actor governor in the state of California, when I first moved to the state, there was so much controversy around his gubernatorial status. Oh, yeah. Lots of controversy. Sure. But there was one thing, whether you voted for him or not, that he did that I thought was so good at trying to get our government connected. He the had smoke, the smoking tent. Yeah, he used to sneak out of the Capitol to smoke a cigar, and his, his Secret Service folks said, no more of that. We're going to build you a tent on the side of the Capitol, and you can go smoke in your tent all you want. And Governor Schwarzenegger got up in front of the legislature and invited everybody, Democrat, Independent, Republican, come join me every Friday at 4 o'clock in the smoking tent. One rule, we don't get to talk politics. The conversation is all about family, fun, adventure, travel, weekends. And it was his attempt. Humanness. Yeah, human, just being humans, human beings. And it was his attempt at trying to bring, at the time, a very divisive, solutions-based legislature into alignment over the fact that we're all human beings. Here's where I know this is possible. I don't remember the name of the documentary, but probably 10 years ago, I sat on my couch with Amy and watched this documentary. It was a documentary of two mothers, a Jewish-Israeli mother and a Palestinian-Israeli mother, and they both had something in common. Both of them had a daughter who was killed in an explosion in a cafe in Tel Aviv. These two women were brought together by a major news outlet to have a conversation and to connect over this common experience of losing a child in an explosion in a cafe. What was most shocking about this documentary was that the Israeli Jewish mother's daughter was a waitress in the cafe, and the Israeli Palestinian's daughter was the person who detonated the bomb. I have never in my life experienced more division than what has happened in the Middle East between the Israelis and the Palestinians. And yet for just 45 minutes, these two women, who would normally be pointing fingers at each other or guns at each other, could connect in such an incredibly emotional, real way over the fact that they were mothers who've experienced the excruciating pain of losing a child. And at the end of that documentary, to watch these two women embrace and acknowledge that common bond was something I never could have imagined happening. So do I think that this kind of healing is possible after this election day? You better believe it's possible because if I've seen it in one human being, it's possible for every human being. So I might sound a little Pollyanna today. This might sound a little idealistic and unrealistic, but I know it's something that in my life, it's the reality I'm choosing to live with because I live in a community that has a lot of divisiveness right now. And I'm doing my part to try to connect with every person I meet, whether we vote for the same people or we don't, because at a core level, we all bleed the same color, we all put our pants on the same way, and we all love our family. Most of us do most days. But those common human values are still all the same. And I think this year with this election, we've lost sight of that. Those are my words of encouragement for today that I hope on this election day and going forward, 
we can accept the outcome for what it is and start healing just within our own families, within our own neighborhoods, within our own communities. I'll get off my soapbox now. Before we close, God bless America. God bless America. If you like what you heard, leave us a review and be sure to subscribe. And check out our website, yourfinancialsobriety.com. Thanks again for listening today. Here to help you find more clarity, confidence, and capability along your journey into financial sobriety. I'm Matthew Grishman. And I'm Jim Gebhardt. Be intentional with your money. Jim Gebhardt is a registered representative of and securities offered through Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, member SIPC. Jim Gebhardt and Matthew Grishman are investment advisor representatives of Gebhardt Group Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, and Gebhardt Group Incorporated are not affiliated. The opinions in this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or investment recommendations. To determine which investments or financial advice may be appropriate for you, consult a financial advisor prior to investing. Any reference to market performance is based on historical information and there is no expressed or implied guarantee of future performance. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Brokers International Financial Services, LLC. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Gebhardt Group Incorporated does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance.